It is from the book of John, um, chapter 3, reading from verse 1 to 16. It's on page 1065 in the Church Bibles. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven <clears throat> except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Can I encourage you to have that passage open in front of you? Uh, so there's a Bible, there should be a Bible within easy reach. It's page 1065, and you'll just find it helpful just to follow along uh, in there, because I'll be referring to that passage. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray, please, that you would help us to focus, to focus on what you are saying in your word. Help us to understand it and help us to respond to it. Amen. Now, in the passage uh, that was just read, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. A famous preacher, I don't know which one, apparently he preached on this, uh, you must be born again, hundreds of times, and was asked uh, late on in his ministry, why do you preach so often on you must be born again? To which he replied, because you must 
be born again. It is essential, but I notice that there are some for whom there is a little panic in your eyes when that is mentioned. You came here because you were invited, you wanted to support maybe one of those uh, making a public profession of faith, uh, but you didn't realise maybe that you were coming to that kind of church, the kind of church which talks about being born again. But before you make a quick exit, just consider what Jesus is actually saying here. Because it's possible that you've misunderstood. And some misunderstandings can be very serious. You see, when you have in mind the idea of a born-again Christian, you probably have in mind someone who is, well, a religious fanatic, maybe? The kind of person who's very intense about Christianity. Maybe you've been cornered by them in a social gathering. So when you hear Jesus say, you must be born again, maybe what you're hearing is Jesus saying, you must become a religious fanatic. And if there's one thing we're pretty sure we don't want to be, it's a religious fanatic. But Jesus can't mean that. He can't mean that because of who he's talking to. Did you spot who it is Jesus is talking to? Have a look back at the beginning of the passage to see who it is. Chapter 3, verse 1, page 1065. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. It says there, verse 1, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. What does that mean? Well, there's much that you could go into about what that might mean in terms of Nicodemus and who he was. But he's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council. That means he was very religious. I gather to be a Pharisee, you had to take a vow to devote yourself to religion. So Jesus is not speaking to an irreligious person, someone who never goes to to synagogue, never goes to anything religious. He's not talking to that kind of person and saying, you must be born again. No, he's talking to someone we probably would class in the category of religious fanatic. And Jesus is saying to him, you must be born again. So we need to ask, What does Jesus mean when he says you must be born again? If he doesn't mean be more religious, do more rituals, what does he mean? Because Jesus is saying this is essential. So we're going to think about two questions. What does it mean to be born again and how can it happen? What does it mean? How can it happen? And if you want to follow, on the back of the sheet, there are the points on there. Don't feel you have to. But if you want to follow on the back of the sheet, that'll mean that if you nod off and you suddenly wake up, you go, oh, I can follow where we are. All right. And no one will know um, if they ask you afterwards because you can look on the sheet. So first off, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be born again? Well, let's look at the passage. Uh, Though we can't get into every verse this morning, we don't have time to get into every verse, although it'd be lovely to, but we don't have time. No, the passage starts, as we've said, with Nicodemus. 
going to Jesus at night, which is a little bit indicative of maybe where he is spiritually, that he's in the dark. And he comes to Jesus in a pretty positive way, doesn't he? So verse 2 of the passage says, He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Well, that's a pretty positive start, isn't it? Jesus, we know who you are, we think you're from God, and that's pretty good, isn't it? And yet Jesus then says to him, verse 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Nicodemus, though you're very religious and very good, oh, he would have been very moral. Though even you're very positive about Jesus, Nicodemus, you still need to be born again. You're not in yet. And you won't see the kingdom of God unless something really important happens to you. You've got to be born again. Now, Nicodemus is confused. Verse 4. I'm encouraged by the fact that Nicodemus is confused. He's confused a couple of times through this. Uh, Jesus explains things to him and he's, you know, he's confused. Jesus explains more. He's still confused, uh, which gives me hope that, um, you know, I'm in good company. If you leave here this morning and you just go, well, I'm just completely confused. I'm in good company that I'm not the only preacher who's found that. Jesus finds it too. Well, anyway, Jesus then says, verse 4, sorry, uh, Nicodemus says, verse 4, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, Nicodemus probably isn't that stupid. I mean, he's not actually thinking that Jesus is saying, I've I've physically got to be born. He's not actually thinking that probably. It's probably just an expression of, I don't get it. For which Jesus replies, verse 5, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Now, here is the heart of the explanation of what being born again means. So here we need to pause. Now, I talked about this verse with Toby and Justine and Zoe. Uh, This verse was raised when we met together, talked through what Christianity is, what it means to follow Jesus, and we're going through the gospel and that kind of thing. And we looked at this verse, and I gave an explanation, and I realise now I gave the wrong explanation. So you might think, well, this sermon is just an excuse for me just to actually give what I should have said back then, and in a way it is. But um, it's important actually to get a good understanding of this. Because Nicodemus should have understood. It's interesting, verse 10, if you look down a little later, after this explanation, uh, and Nicodemus says, how can this be? Jesus says in verse 10, you're Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things. He said, you should know, Nicodemus. You should understand this. Why? Because Nicodemus knows the Bible. He knows the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. Now, to understand what it means when Jesus says, you must be born of water and the Spirit, we need to go back to a verse in the Old Testament. But to understand that verse, I need to give you just a little bit of context of the entire Old Testament. Which is to say, if you read through the Old Testament... It is a very frustrating read because God chose a particular group of people, the Israelites, to be his people. And yet over and over again throughout the Old Testament, they disobey God. I mean, it is almost insidious. It's a bit like when you go to a restaurant and maybe a waiter puts a plate in front of you and says, don't touch it, it's hot. What's the first thing that you do? You touch the plate. 
So with Israel, the first thing that they do when they hear God's commands is disobey them. And it is, happens so often throughout the Old Testament. You want to shout at the Israelites to stop doing it. And there comes a point towards the end of the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel where uh, God has thrown his, those people out of the land that he gave them. And he speaks to them through Ezekiel to say what's got to happen to them. And he says in Ezekiel this. I hope you might be able to read it on that screen there. This is what he says. Now notice here, when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, he talks about water and spirit. Spot that in these verses. This is what Nicodemus should have thought of when Jesus said this. So this is in Ezekiel, Old Testament. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now you notice in there, spirit and water both mentioned. This is the bit that uh, Nicodemus should have thought of from the Old Testament. And what God is saying to the Israelites is, for my relationship with you to work, I've got to do two things to you. It involves water and spirit. So we're going to take them in turn. The first about water. What's the thing about water? What does it say in those verses about water? What's God got to do to the Israelites at the beginning? He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. God is saying the thing about water is it cleans people and I've got to clean you, Israelites. Israelites, you can't do it for yourselves. I've got to do it to you. You need all your wrongdoing, all your badness dealt with. I've got to wash you clean. And by Jesus saying to Nicodemus, good Nicodemus, religious Nicodemus, you need to be born again, born of water, he is saying, Nicodemus, you need to be washed as well. And Jesus is saying, that's what we need too. Being born again is about being born of water, in other words, being washed clean. Now you might think, well, I'm not that bad. That's often a reaction people have, isn't it? I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as other people. Others have done far worse things. But our wrong is not just disobeying God, but ignoring him. Mike Kane, in his book on John's Gospel, at this point gives an illustration, which I think is a helpful one. He says he and his brother, when they were young, had a particular TV programme that they loved. Loved watching. And when it came to bedtime and they were watching this TV programme and their mum or dad said to them, come on, it's time for bed. What did they do? Nothing. They didn't do anything. They just sat there and kept watching. Now, to rebel against their mum and dad, they didn't have to deny their mum or dad's existence. They didn't have to go around hitting them with cricket bats or that kind of thing. All they had to do was ignore them. And that's what we do to God in his world. We live in his world, but we ignore him. 
You don't have to rebel against God by claiming he doesn't exist or by deliberately going against his commands, though actually we do deliberately go against his commands. All we have to do is ignore him, and we do that very well. And therefore, we all need to be washed. Now, we've done a washing today, baptism. But just being dunked in water doesn't actually do anything other than get a person wet. For Justine and Zoe today, and Toby when he was a baby, the water wasn't special. But it symbolises a far deeper washing that we need. That we need God to wash us clean. And notice, you don't baptise yourself. You don't get in there and say, I baptise myself in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. No, you need someone else to do it to you, which is part of the symbolism actually of saying, we can't wash ourselves clean of our wrongdoing, we need God to do it to us. So that's water. Water is uh, the need to be washed. What does it mean to be born again? Two parts to it. First, water, need to be washed. The second part is to do with the Spirit. Now... Uh, part of the reason why we're doing this sermon series in uh, why I'm doing this sermon in John 3 partly it's because it's a great passage to look at for a baptism but also because we're starting a little sermon series now uh, as a church in the work of the Holy Spirit Uh, and so that's partly why we're here so what about the spirit in this what is the spirit's part well back to the Ezekiel passage what does it say about the spirit there halfway through It says, or just before halfway through, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God is saying you need a change of heart because he said his people's hearts were like stone. They just disobeyed so frequently, so persistently, consistently. Every time they would disobey God, God's saying, the thing I've got to do with you is not just wash you clean. I've got to change your heart. It's a bit like if you had a very old car. You could wash it clean, you could clean it on the inside, but actually that car needs a new engine. It's got to be completely transformed. And God's saying, that's what I've got to do to you. I've got to change you. So what does that mean for a person if they're born again? Does it mean that beforehand they were quite happy to tell lies and then suddenly new birth happens, now they don't want to tell lies? Or someone used to steal and then the new birth happens, they go, oh, actually now I don't want to steal. Well, it's kind of partly, but that's not really it. You see, when Jesus summarises the Old Testament, what does he say to begin with? When someone says, tell us, what's the most important command? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Being born of the Spirit first involves having our eyes opened to God and wanting to know him and wanting to love him. Mike Cain, again, in his book on John, uses another illustration at this point. And it's the illustration of, that you would kind of expect it, of a baby being born. Before a baby is born, it cannot see its parents. It cannot see its mum or dad. It might sort of vaguely be able to hear something, but it can't really hear them properly. But when it is born, then it can see, then its eyes are open, can see its mum and its dad making funny faces at it. So too with the new birth. God opens a person's eyes, first and foremost, to God. 
So the second part of the, is the spirit. We need a change of heart to see God. Again, this is what Mike Kane says in his book. The new birth means that our eyes are opened to see what he is really like. And when we see how good he is, we begin to love him so that instead of blocking our ears to his voice, we delight to open the Bible and listen to how he wants his people to live. The Spirit's work is to change hearts so that people now have a taste for God, a desire for God, a love for God, and therefore, yes, want to obey God. And this is in the promises that Toby, Justine and Zoe made this morning. They said they would repent of sins and turn to Christ as Saviour and submit to him as Lord. Others may hear those promises and think they are crazy promises. Why would you do that? They may think that's turning away from everything fun to boredom and drudgery. But actually, if you're born again, you know that is the most sensible thing you can do. In fact, it's the most wonderful thing you do because you're turning towards one who is the most wonderful person to know. Being born of the Spirit means you have a desire for God and want to know him and obey him. I wonder if you know that. Maybe you're someone who's very religious, been to church a lot. Do you have that desire for God? So it's not just about the rituals, but it's about him. So there are two parts to being born again. What does it mean to be born again? Water and spirit. Water, the need to be washed. Spirit, the need to, for a changed heart. And last thing, and much more briefly, how can we be born again? That's what the new birth is, but how does it happen? Well, for this, we're going to skip down a few verses and uh, look to verse 14. So uh, for that, you will need to turn the page. If you've still got your Bible open, do turn the page, page 1066, to verse 14. Jesus says various other things to Nicodemus there. I leave you to go away and read those things in those verses just before. But verse 14, he then says this, which is his explanation to Nicodemus of how this can happen. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. See, if we say, well, I need to be transformed, how does it happen? Jesus refers back to another Old Testament passage. It's in Numbers 21. And on this occasion, again, God's people had disobeyed God. And God, therefore, sent snakes into the camp. Snakes that were biting people and killing people. And so the people went to Moses and said to him, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. But the Lord didn't take the snakes away, but did something else. He told Moses to make a bronze snake, a bronze figure of a snake, and to put it on a pole. And he said, Anyone who looks at the snake will live. Well, it's pretty simple, isn't it? If you were bitten by a snake, what would you do? Well, you go and look at that bronze snake. If your family members were bitten, what would you do? You'd drag them to that bronze snake. Just look at the snake. Of course you would. Very simple. And Jesus is saying he is like that bronze snake. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That is his death when he was crucified. 
And he says, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life. It isn't a case, you haven't got to go and find the cross of Jesus and look up at it, but rather it is about believing in Jesus, putting your trust in him, in his death for you. The imagery really helps us, because if someone in that camp was bitten by a snake, they knew they were going to die. They were dying. They desperately needed to get to that bronze snake and just look at it. So too with us, we need to recognise our need, that we are in great peril, that spiritually we are dying, cannot deal with it ourselves, that it is Jesus' death on the cross that means we can be washed and can have the Spirit put in us. Because on the cross, Jesus took the wrong, our wrongs onto himself so we could be washed clean. It's so exciting, isn't it, to celebrate with Toby and Justine and Zoe celebrating God's work in them, bringing them to new birth, that they recognise they need Jesus' death to deal with their sin. I wonder if you've realised this morning, maybe others here, maybe you wouldn't normally go to church, maybe you do normally go to church, but maybe you're realising that you haven't actually been born again. If that is you, the place to go is the cross, the cross of Jesus. Recognise your need that you need to be washed and you need a changed heart and put your hope in Jesus. Very often, the thing that holds people back is pride. Some think it's too late for them. I read uh, last week about when Billy Graham, the evangelist, met Winston Churchill in 1954. Billy Graham was ushered into the presence of Winston Churchill. And the Prime Minister stood on the other side of a table on which there were three of the day's newspapers. And Churchill said, I'm an old man without hope, he said, and then repeated it. He waved towards the table. Look at these papers. Rape, murder, robbery. Now you tell me, young man, what is your hope? To which Billy Graham said, my hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he brought out his Bible. That gospel of hope is that Jesus can change us. We are never too old to be born again. We are not too young for it. The work of the Spirit is to give new birth as someone comes to Jesus and puts their faith in him, to wash them clean and change their heart to have a desire to know him. The new birth can happen at any age. The question is, are we humble enough to admit to God that we need it? If you'd like to find out more, uh, can I encourage you to keep reading your Bible? There are little booklets as well to take as you leave, uh, one of them with life on the front of it. Do, uh, do take them. Uh, they're free. Feel free to take them. And if you'd like to do the Hope Explored course, it's three sessions looking at what the Bible says. Just let me know. We can do it online. We can do it in person. Come up and speak to me afterwards. I'm going to pray for us as we finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus' teaching to Nicodemus. Thank you that he said to him that he must be born again. And we pray that you would do that work as you have done in Toby and Justine and Zoe, that you would do it in each one of us to give us that new birth, to wash us clean and to give us a taste for you to love you and want you. Bring us to the cross of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.